We've been busting a lot on Xbox lately, like with their delay of like Halo and shit. But you know what? Right now, on this day, they're probably the the one like game giant not pissing like you know they're like pissing me off the least. <laughs> so at the Name moment, one thing Nintendo did to piss you off. Uh, yeah. So that's why I wanted to take this time in our cold open to dog on both Sony and Nintendo for the fucking horse crap that they have been pulling lately since we were last in the studio. PlayStation with their dystopian ass loyalty lottery for pre-orders on a console that no one knows anything about in regards to when it comes out or how much it fucking goddamn costs. And then good old Nintendo who uh, dialed up their artificial demand so high in an attempt to court profit during an epidemic that they are literally now applying it to digital goods in the most shameless way possible. <laughs> I hate all of it and I'm, I'm never going to buy anything ever again. Now, which, which operating system is that? Are you talking about? Play, PlayStation? Nintendo? What's that? I'm not sure. I, I, just, I can't wait for the PlayStation 5 that costs dollars. <laughs> I think we already did that joke We're months gonna ago. We're going to have to keep doing it, yeah. dude. <laughs> I think I did that joke while... Actually, this episode will come out with before the episode I did yeah. that joke. I'll say, it was long enough ago to where we can't edit the, the price in anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's just They're like, announcing it this week for yeah. those of you a little peek behind the curtain. It's Wednesday. And also this week is the release date of the limited edition Mario collection. Mm-hmm. You know, one of you know three of the best games of all time. You know what you do when you release a collection of them? <laughs> For your new console, you make it go away after one shipment. <laughs> oh, and take it off the your market, your online marketplace. Well, of course, as well. That's the most insane part. Yeah. For those of you out there who don't understand, who have hope in humanity and don't understand how capitalism works, <laughs> let me explain to you. Let me put on my tinfoil hat and explain why Nintendo is doing what they're fucking doing. Mm-hmm. They're doing this because this season. We have two new consoles coming out. One of them we already know costs $500 or $300, depending on which version of it you get. Yes. And the other one, we don't know yet, but it will cost at least $500, possibly more. Yep. We will learn that this week. Nintendo, on the other hand, has nothing coming out, save for Pikmin 3, which is a Mario Collection, and the Hyrule Warriors 2. As of the recording of this. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that's a remake. It's just a re-release. Re-release. Yeah. What they're doing is they are forcing your hand because (laughs) people are going to have to be making purchasing decisions because this country has a lot of people who are short on money. And if you're going to purchase a new thing, of course, you're going to have to purchase the one that goes away at the beginning (laughs) of the next financial quarter. Yeah, literally March 31st is when this thing goes off sale. But you know what? At least they did a lot of work to those games, right? Yeah. Now, as to why the free digital Mario Battle Royale thing they're making is going away, I don't have an explanation for you. Yeah. uh, So, do you know Tetris 99? They're they're making a like Mario 35. Mario 35, which is it's fucking conceptually a really cool idea. I mean, they shut down some like that fan project that was essentially that. But it is like you play Super Mario Brothers 1 against 34 other people and then you send each other shit until it's like elimination, like, you know, last one standing. That is very interesting. It's really cool. And it's kind of like what Tetris 99 did. It's meant to bring people to their Nintendo online. Yeah. But they are removing that as well. Mm-hmm. So, cause why? why like why like like my Tetris theory, 99 my still gets there, updates like it's it, the support for that game my are, only theory there is, is great. so that they get people to subscribe. subscribe for a year for this thing that's not available for a year mm-hmm. it's just like it's so gross 
But but Sony is People doing... People need to stop seeing them like... Sony, and this will be out, all of this will be out by the time this episode comes out, but Sony this week is doing their thing, which is the yeah. only thing they have to combat Xbox on, which is they're not just revealing the price in a tweet like Xbox did with a cool video. They're doing a Sony showcase, and they're going to show off a bunch of new games, including, rumor has it, and uh, if you're sitting there at home and this absolutely doesn't happen, like it's not going to, or if it did, you can laugh at me for not believing in it. Final <coughs> Fantasy 16 I don't is apparently that. going to be announced. I'm going to look like an idiot when maybe it is. Well, who cares? If they announce it, it's not going to be out for another five years anyway. They still got to finish the, the other parts <laughs> of 7. Like, they announce it as a launch game. <laughs> yeah, like, How wacky would that I mean, be? Chris, Chris, you heard Suck about... Suck it, hot button. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, wait, what? That's yeah. very specific. <laughs> Shuhei Yoshida just has a... Just greenlit that Fuck game. you, hot button written behind him. <laughs> hey, but, I'll take it. If Shuhei Yoshida wants to curse me out, that'll get us more listeners for sure. <laughs> I mean, Chris, you've heard of the yeah, uh, no. you heard of uh, like what PlayStation did with their pre-order stuff, right? No, uh, uh, no, I play only on my computer, and I'm never looking back ever again. <laughs> I mean, Austin, you want to tell them? Yeah. So, PlayStation still has yet to announce the price because this is like a whole new level of. But they did open pre-orders. Well, they still haven't opened pre-orders, but they did a pre-pre-order lottery where you could enter for a chance to win the right to pre-order the PlayStation 5 <laughs> first. But, oh. but wait, guess how they being, base, yeah. instead of being just a straight-up raffle where they put all the names in a hat and draw one at random, there is an <laughs> algorithm that decides who wins based on engagement with the PlayStation ecosystem. <laughs> What does that even mean? It means the, the leave your PS4 running yeah, with God of War the more, on. Them. The more trophies you have, the more playtime you have on PlayStation, the higher chance your name has of getting selected. That's about <laughs> the only part that makes sense. I mean, if you're that, I guess no. if you play more PlayStation, you're more of a fan. I don't. I think the whole concept's stupid. Obviously, I'm just saying I get the choice of who gets to in their horrible, <laughs> horrible decision making. I get why they think it's justified. Oh, I get it, too. It's just like a thing of like Xbox is just like, hey, man, I don't care if you have a PlayStation. I don't care if you've been playing games on your phone. Come on over. Everybody's yeah. here. We got Game Pass. It's going to be fun. And PlayStation's like, <laughs> and you can't pre-order yourself. Have, yeah. Yeah. You, you can only pre-order a console if you've spent every living, waking moment of your life playing PlayStation. Like, what are we doing? Uh, I just like... It's COVID, dude. Didn't you sign up for it? What, the PlayStation thing? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. I was about to make site, fun of you. The site crashed. Oh. I went to do it. Didn't they? Weren't the they crashed. ramping up production on those anyway? Yeah, they're going to make 10 million of them. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Oh, I know we, bo we, did, we both did um, put money down on the Mario thing. With the intention of not even opening. I've become everything I've ever hated at this well, point. Well, that was the thing I said about the Mario thing. Was I mean, like, a, a bunch of people's pre-orders for that also got canceled, by the way. Yeah, somebody but, was like, you, you're buying it. And I was like, I know. And I hate the fact that I'm doing that, except now I'm just not going to open it because it's a collector's item. Yeah, there's already people selling their pre-orders on eBay. Mm -hmm. But That's so horrible. That's horrible. Yeah, well, that's N Nintendo's saying, thing. I can play any of like, those games right now for free. With it, an emulator. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I would just, I would just, uh, I just don't, I, don't know. I, mean, I could never justify buying that. I mean, it, it brings play it in a Nintendo's hand. <laughs> it brings back, I know, amiibo, but now like I'm bad doing amiibo it, memories I'm doing all it over because again. 
we've been getting into game collecting recently, and this is the only chance. Nintendo's backwards-ass fucking philosophy on all this shit's the only chance I have to get any collector's item in the year 2020. So everything else is available, so... I mean, can you imagine if you were, like, a higher-up at this company and was just, like, the rule one on your fucking thing? You're just like, we don't want everybody who wants one to have one. Like, what? Yeah. Why? And everybody fucking loves that company. I know. Xbox like, they can do no wrong. On their like, hands and knees begging. They're like, please. We are the company that invented Microsoft Office and Microsoft <laughs> Windows. And we are out here begging you. We will do anything. We will come up with the most consumer-friendly practices a corporation possibly can. Please just play our, our games and our console. And everybody's like, more, more like Dumbbox. Yeah. PlayStation's <laughs> got exclusives. And they're like, you idiots. You're falling into the shittiest business practices I know. all of you they're, and they're and it, it makes it that much worse that including Xbox myself is currently killing it right now everything they've shown about the s sounds awesome and their financing options seem really friendly and fucking like the you know game pass we've already talked about endlessly about how you know welcoming of a proposition that i literally just resubscribed for a dollar again to play mm-hmm. a bunch of games so gonna be tight and then yeah. i'm gonna get a playstation 5 and that ugly ass tower with its stupid popped collar isn't gonna fit in my entertainment system you were all about my that entertainment system isn't too <laughs> isn't two feet tall <laughs> fucking garbage all right <laughs> i need a new hobby uh send recommendations on a new hobby yeah. to hotbuttonpodcast at gmail.com please do so, not yeah, please do not as well yeah, please do not yeah. say books. I don't want to read. Curling was pretty Thank fun you. when we did that. Send Thank you for your new time. Hobby <laughs> recommendations. Send your new hobby recommendations to I refuse to work out instead at gmail.com. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Because I will also not be doing that. Yeah, fuck off with your sports at hotmail.com. <laughs> Hockey's also. The Flyers lost. Man, it's been a real shitty year, man. <laughs> uh, well, everyone, it's finally that time of year again. It's time to get spooky. Parties and trick-or-treating might be canceled, but Hot Button is still here to deliver a nice small dose of horror just for you. Now, this first one is going to get a little heavy at times and then a little stupid, so don't worry. And similar to when we covered the Columbine RPG a while back, this story is one of our few to be, like, directly connected to some real-world tragedy. I don't know. I brought up 9-11 in the Xbox episode. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is true. Sorry. Um, Never forget. Events that to this day are still often cited as being a pivotal moment into the modern era of Japan. Om Shinrikyo, or better known today as Aleph, was and is a doomsday cult that operated throughout their nation for several decades. It was formed in 1984 by the self-proclaimed embodiment of Christ, Chezuo Matsumoto, under the name Shoko Asahara. The group radically grew in size and power as well as, of course, insanity, of which culminated in both a series of murders, along with an orchestrated set of sarin gas subway attacks in 95 described as being the worst incident of domestic terrorism in Japan's history, things they have also never fully claimed responsibility for. Although we're not here to go too, too deep on that subject, as there are other more dedicated outlets for that, one I do highly recommend is the last podcast on the left's multi-part series on the topic, if you wish to learn way more about that. But no, we're a video game podcast, right? So we're going to cover something that those guys rightfully did not, one that very few honestly have. A relatively unknown title translated into English as the story of Kamakuishi Village. 
which I'm just going to refer to as village from here on out in an effort to not embarrass myself. Kamakushiki. See, I already did. I already did it. Basically, it was a resource management strategy sim officially released across Japan for the PC-88 in 1995, same year as the chemical bombings, which, yeah, with uh, many not even knowing the mysterious origins of where it came from and who made it, but most importantly, what its purpose was in relation to this horrible movement. This is the first of Hot Buttons 2020 Halloween special. I'm your scary host, Randall Beatrice, here with Austin Blakesley Yo. and Chris Anantuana. Now, what am I supposed to do? I can't do the ghost <laughs> intro. <laughs> What's the sound of a, wit, a witch sound? Yeah, you have to cackle like hey, a witch. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> all right, all right, let's take it again. Let's take it again. Yeah. Hey, hey. It sounds like those lawn ones outside. That like, yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, what do you guys say we get scared and then make fun of some morons together? It's usually what I do. <laughs> All right, so just a tiny bit of setup real quick as I run along the sort of sequence of Amish and Rikyo's endeavors that will bring us to where our game timeline starts. I know I said... Oh, w- uh, no, thank you. <laughs> what would you do if somebody... <laughs> yeah, set up, yeah. please. Just get... <laughs> just jump right into it. Uh, and yeah, I, I know I said I wouldn't get majorly into the weeds of the grander side of the cult's beginnings and message, but I do think uh, it's important to know going in just what exactly this thing is, or otherwise it's going to get real, real confusing. So here's the brief rundown. Matsumoto, who I mentioned before as the cult's so-called... Uh, like leader, prophet, was born in 1955. He grew up poor and was labeled by those around him as being quite the bully in the uh, school for the blind that he was enrolled in. Cool. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> he had no vision in his left eye, but partial in his right. After years of assaulting and extorting his fellow students, he went on to pursue acupuncture and other Chinese medicines. He got married, had 12 kids, and was later convicted of selling unregulated drugs without a license. That sounds awesome so far. <laughs> he also had a huge Can I join the cult. <laughs> he also had a huge interest in the study of religion, which of course would go on to play the biggest role in his self-righteous venture down the road when Am Sensen no Kai was founded in 84. This was Am's initial first draft until the name of the group was formally changed three years later in 1987, at the same time he would rename himself. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How old was he? Well, if he was born in 55. By the time this first, like... Yeah, when did... 1987? 1984 was kind of the... Okay. Yeah. 87 so was like Amshin 29? Yeah. It's fairly young. Yeah. Man, I'm falling behind. Younger than- <laughs> so, like... Yeah. yeah, we haven't accomplished enough <laughs> as yet. As a bully who's super into religion but, I mean, part, part of the reason that people quoted as him being a bully was because he was at a school for the blind, but still technically had some vision. That's called cheating. Which would give so you a pretty is. big leg up on... A pretty other- big eye up. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, is that where that phrase, where that where in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king? Does that come from him? Yeah, I guess. No, I'm just saying. Do like, you ever type real quick, real quick. There's a great movie called Dirt, Dirty Work. If you've never ever seen it, uh-huh. it's it's a really old comedy movie. But it just reminds you that there's Chris Farley can't smell, I think, or something. And Sounds like, like Walk Hard. It's, I don't. <laughs> he says something where it's like in the land of the the smells. I think it's like a. It just reminded me. <laughs> just check out Dirty Work, okay? Yeah, it, uh, in stores now. I'm just saying, as somebody who's a bully <laughs> and also into religion, I got to get on this cult shit soon. Or I'm gonna be too old. Yeah, nobody wants to listen to like some old guy, right? Mm-hmm. 
I'm in the prime of my life. <laughs> Now's the time to lead a bunch of people to their death. <laughs> so back to these guys. They somehow got the permits from the government through appeal, post-backlash from authorities, and thus by 89, they were officially recognized as a religious corporation. Wait, hold on. You got to file for a cult permit? I don't want to do It's probably that. like a... <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. It's probably a tax break thing, honestly. Yeah, but like... I gotta go through the government. See how little, see how little they care about religious organizations. Yeah, and I gotta Japan, go through like the that. government to start a cult. This is horseshit, dude. <laughs> so, monastic order was soon then established. Followers joined, and the cult, as we are going to discuss today, was born. But what was the actual belief system of it all? What themes were looking to be a part of that video game? Well, essentially, it was a hodgepodge of ideas that came from a ton of Asahara's idiosyncratic interpretations of multiple multiple cultures and religions. The doctrine took elements from Indian Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, Hinduism. It even included writings from Nostradamus and incorporated a more millenniist message borrowed from Christianity, as well oh, as man. yoga teachings. They were so close. <laughs> I was so interested before Christianity got involved. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Remember, he was a big fan about like, like well, he, he was like big into the whole thought of fundamental transformation such as by saying he was Christ. Anyway, by 1992, his rhetoric would be published into a book. This was where he identified himself as the Lamb of God, and the goal was to take all the sins of the world upon himself, where he claimed he would then transfer the spiritual power from himself to his followers to cleanse them of their bad deeds. So he's Jesus. Uh, yeah. That's what Jesus did. <laughs> you call it, You call him a biter? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> None of this, just, though... I'm just sensing a theme here is all. <laughs> None of this, though, would be complete without a proper doomsday prophecy. Of course. The framing of this was said to be in the form of a World War III instigated by none other than us, the Americans. That's a good guess, honestly. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is a good guess. probably not too far guess, off yeah. there. Only a select chosen few who joined him would survive. So prior, the mission was to spread the word of salvation, blah, blah. Let's mm -hmm. talk pop culture, the best kind. Now, in order to achieve all this, they were going to need to grow beyond the numbers they had. How exactly do you do this? Advertise. Mm -hmm. So while the group was always considered controversial, they did have yet to be associated with anything nefarious or illegal, overtly. Yet. Yeah. This made getting the word out there about them fairly above the board. Their tactics, though, were pretty hip eh, and very commercial, using methods that would specifically target a youthful audience. They published music, comics, cartoons, magazines, all of which would tie the cult's ideas to the aesthetic of other popular media out there at the time, especially anime and manga. The most notorious- I knew anime was evil, dude. <laughs> I knew it. Shut your, you shut your damn mouth. <laughs> the most notorious being a 10-episode series called uh, Shatsuetsu Sakai, and these schemes worked well. The fantastical space-like imagery, along with the presentation of super weapons, the search for ultimate truth, these threads connected well with those lost and seeking purpose, but who still enjoy Dragon Ball. Fucking nerds. <laughs> I like Dragon Ball. <laughs> of course, none of these promotions would matter in the end without the additional platform of recruitment. There were promises to those that joined of their illnesses being cured, their overall intelligence being improved, their life goals being obtained, except... There was one other venue not yet explored. What else did kids like besides their illnesses being cured? Jerking off. 
<laughs> yeah, porn. I'm going to go with porn, well, too. Well, no, the wonderful world of uh, video. Oh. Yeah. Video games. Should have made cult porn. <laughs> Would have been more successful. And cheaper, probably. Yeah. Like, way cheaper. <laughs> but I did tease you guys, because there's still one other massive thing we unfortunately have to cover first. The real dark shit. This is a Halloween episode, after all. Spooky. Yeah. <laughs> so, it didn't take long after their wider expansion for serious accusations regarding some fucked up actions that were taking place within their community. Mm-hmm. Cries of deception, imprisonment, forced donations. But by far the most extreme was the homicide of an ex-member who attempted to leave. Soon after this, anti-cult lawyer Mr. Tatsumi Sakamoto, which I didn't know was a position, by the way, anti-cult lawyer. What a great job. I yeah. was about to say that. <laughs> Dude, uh, I want that job. Yeah. But then uh, I'm then I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the take by cults. <laughs> yeah, That's my thing. Except, uh, except bribes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he went missing. You should be like, nah, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I don't say anything. He went missing al- along with his wife and uh, like newborn child. I was about to joke about that, but Jeez. I figured that was coming. Yeah. It's like, how do you have that job and not be hunted constantly? Uh, that, yeah. You're yeah. not wrong. Yeah. This being in response to a lawsuit against the group in order to bankrupt them, as well as a secret interview that was set to air on the Japanese TBS network until outside pressure canceled the broadcast. Their bodies not being discovered until years later. Mm. Other assassination plans were also made against several different individuals critical of their organization, including a cartoonist who satirized them. Keep that in mind for later. Thankfully, these specific attempts failed. Or maybe like, I don't know, a podcast that <laughs> made fun of them. Do you think that's a, you think that's a possibility? <laughs> All right, I'm, I just want to say I 100% support the gas bombings of the cold. <laughs> oh. Please do not. You're crossing your fingers and toes. Yeah. And speaking of failure... Amshin Rikyo's first use of bioweapons was luckily also a bust. The attack was meant to spread anthrax spores throughout Tokyo from their headquarters. Nearby residents complained of the smell, but no infections were reported. <laughs> what smells like anthrax? <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, you should like, call somebody. Yeah, like watching TV and you're like, huh. It's a, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> smells like anthrax. <laughs> <laughs> Towards the end of 93, the manufacturing of the Sarah nerve agent began. They also tried to make guns, but could only finish one working model. Which <laughs> is hilarious. One's all you need, baby. <laughs> A year later, their chemical compound would be tested on live sheep. Wait, they invented not Sarah so, nerve gas? Not so hilarious. No, they were just trying to make it. Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense. This research then ultimately led to the first successful attack on public civilians on June 27th, 1994. In the city of Amatsumoto, they used a converted refrigerator truck to unleash the cloud near the homes of judges who were overseeing a real estate dispute against them. 500 people were injured and eight were killed. Police investigations failed to implicate the terrorist group at the time, which only allowed the next attack to take place, the deadliest yet. I'm sorry, we'll get to the video games in just a minute, I promise. Yeah, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, more of the toxic ingredient were seized and post a string of a couple more murders, one being a test run for the agent on a man who was claimed to be a spy tracking them, the other being the kidnapped brother of a woman who escaped. They were ready for their largest scale message yet. See, when the police finally made plans to raid all of Um's facilities, a tip-off was leaked to Asahara, who then ordered their next mission to be a go in hopes of 
diverting those authorities. On the morning of March 20th, 1995, high-ranking members of the cult released the sarin compound in a coordinated attack on five crowded trains on the rails of Tokyo's subway system. 13 people were killed, while estimated injuries are believed to be as high as 6,000. One perpetrator also accidentally took himself out like an idiot. Their plan of distraction obviously then backfired as the police then conducted even larger raids on their group compounds across the country. The organization was exposed, money, weapons, drugs, and other materials were confiscated, which there was said to be enough in the cult's private stock to end the lives of four million people. Jeez. Mm. It was truly a dark day for Japan, one that they sadly will never be able to forget. And all of this horribleness will play a major role in the game for context, I swear it. Arrests were also made. Over 150 members, those closest to the atrocities, were sentenced to death, including Shoko Asahara himself. There is, of course, way, way more to that story, especially going forward from there. But I feel that that might be all we really need to get into the meat of our topic, if we're uh, going chronologically anyway. So uh, without further ado, let's talk game. So you think after all that, Amshin Rikyo as a brand would have been pretty much fully gone forever, right? Not exactly. In fact, not at all. The media and general public were a total swarm, but there were still defenders out there somehow. Plus, not every individual affiliated with the name was in jail or even freed yet, depending on where you stood within them. Uh, hell, there are uh, um enthusiasts out there today still, unlike followers of Jonestown or Heaven's Gate, for clear reasons. Uh, Heaven's Gate still exists. Does it? Yeah. The site is still up, but I think that's they just have for moderate, They have moderators. Yeah, but I think that's. I thought that was just to preserve like the for it for historical context. I don't think they actually believe in the from what i maybe i'm wrong from what i understand they went through with their whole thing the prophecy and the guy in charge of it was like somebody has to, to stay, stay behind, behind to spread the message and recruit people for the next haley's bop that's gonna be in a while it is yeah that makes that site less funny and much more creepy because it's <laughs> like <laughs> i i don't remember who you think they'll be so, able to build back up somebody interviewed like one of the moderators and they're like I think they're still in on the whole. Wow. All right. So maybe I'm wrong then. What if they're right, though? Like, but what? (laughs) (laughs) Better to be safe than sorry. For many on the outside, it was prime time to defeat those fuckers once and for all. For others on the inside, however, it was their reason to rebuild. The subway attacks were just a warning, a setback. Eternal salvation ain't going to reach itself after all. But who would, like,. I don't know, I thought about this, but, like, who would we be as residents of, like, the Japanese nation in 1995? I would be the leader of a cult. I was going to say little kids playing computer games, duh. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I meant to say. (laughs) Which, uh... No disrespect to whatever his name was, the guy that, uh, founded Umption Rikyo. Mr. Blind Bully or whatever his name was. So which part of this whole thing could find its way into our wheelhouse? Enter the story of Kamakushiki Village. Hey, I think I did it right that time. Named after the actual place where the group primarily began operating from, the aforementioned PC-88 title, the same platform, by the way, that um, Snatcher and Gradius, uh, I think, first launched on, Mm -hmm. that would bizarrely make its way for sale on June 29th, two months after the March attacks. Literally, I'm like not even joking about that. Wow, that's so weird. Yeah. But before we get into just how this thing released, I should probably explain just what exactly you even do in it. Well, 
as the player, you assume the role of leader Asahara. Visually, well, tell me this game, this is what Stardew Valley turned out to be, right? <laughs> this is... Yeah, water your plants, take care of your sa- uh, saring I gas. I always knew Stardew Valley was behind <laughs> something more sinister. <laughs> Visually, no game could make me feel that much stress without being having a cult involved. <laughs> There's probably <laughs> mods for Stardew Valley that make that game real fucking weird. I know there's sex stuff out there. I thought you were going to say there's probably mods for the kid that make it real fucking fun for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be like, huh, I wonder if there are. Yeah. <laughs> it turns into a first person shooter. I don't... Um, wow. <laughs> so visually, everything in this like does look fairly crude, even for the era. The perspective itself was basically a zoomed out isometric map view, similar to other management sims, and was complete with... Simple, colorful graphics. However, it also featured various real-life photographs and full-motion video, some of which was footage taken directly from the cult themselves. Sequences from the previously named Chouetsu Sakai anime were also used. Otherwise, everything did tend to have a lower-budget feel. There was very little animation, mostly just GIFs of drawings, and the audio consisted of mostly number station-like sounds, low-fidelity music sung by the real Asahara himself that would loop, and clips of public (laughs) debates and appearances. The dialogue often being vague and cryptic. It was difficult to even hear clearly at all. Like, it's extremely eerie. All right, I'm going to give away a million-dollar idea on this podcast right now. Why is it that every time a horror (laughs) game comes out, the scary part's got to be in the game? Why is it that every time a meta game comes out, like Pony Island, it's always like a little bit more comedy themed? Oh, okay. I kind of know what you're saying. Why not make a horror game? Incorporate Like, make a fake cult game. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're saying... Like, make a game like this with weird number station things and a weird Japanese dude, like, Mm -hmm. singing lo-fi and looping it. Or, like, when we did Hong Kong 97. Sure, yeah. Like, make a game like that. Make the horror part of it just be like, why the fuck does this exist? And then just release it without any... Damn, man, honestly, that's a really good idea. That's uh, that's because... Here's why. Because it'll never actually be scary unless there's that real... What makes this so creepy is the fact that there is the 2020 vision of the cult behind it. Yeah. Because I think if you do just release, like, some weird fucking game and put it out there, most people just be like, this is stupid. (laughs) Like, what is this? I don't know. I mean, like... I don't know. I think if you told the story of something, like, simulate this. I get what you're saying, but I also kind of get what Chris is saying, that it's really hard to scare people especially gamers and it's like games have used real history before for alternate kind of stuff or just like but it's usually like war you know because gamers are special backdrops and stuff they're a special breed <laughs> I don't know I feel like I mean I'm maybe, maybe it's too maybe disrespectful me, but I feel like somebody out there like, could make this scary yeah no yeah in With fact the right cult, cults in general value. aren't they're not explored in games unless it's way over the top and like overt yeah, culture usually exporting games when you can play an entire game and not get your own progression unless you go back to your own story to progress. <laughs> you know, that's usually how culture explores. Is that Fucking a Far Cry, Far Cry Five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that honestly, that's a lot of co- online co-op games now. I hated it in that too, but. New Dawn did fix that, but, but yeah. Oh, and um, it should also be said right now that this entire game can only be played exclusively in Japanese with no other language options whatsoever. That makes sense. Yeah, which this lack of translation will also come into play later as to why many specific parts of this story were so difficult for outlets here to like properly research. Hong Kong 97 had multiple language options. It did. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, you're right. 
That now, random weird journalist guy <laughs> yeah, did a better job than the cult. Now, the gameplay itself <laughs> was a little bit more in-depth than you would think. The user essentially having the freedom to make choices and take multiple paths. Not dissimilar to, say, like a, a visual novel of sorts. As for the mission, the goal was to manage the cult's operations day-to-day as the one in charge. You would collect resources. Methods such as soliciting money from followers were included. Indoctrinating new members, like, which could be done through things like missionary work or public promotions. It's like a boring version of war games. <laughs> <laughs> you would invest in balanced budgets, train your quote-unquote psych- uh. psychic abilities, evade capture. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah, or bankruptcy, and of course, plan attacks. See, Village's timeline of in-game events would accurately match with its real-world history. Player inputs were the moves that would mechanically advance the clock, but the exact dates themselves were always set to be the same regardless of your actions. Its campaign would begin on October 1st, 1989. The Sakamoto family murders would occur on November 4th of 89. The Matsumoto sarin gas attacks on June 7th, 1994, etc., even the final objective of the story being to successfully carry out the 1995 Tokyo subway attack. Failing to do so results in a, quote, bad ending, wherein Armageddon ends the world, while succeeding grants you the, quote, good ending, thus achieving enlightenment. Armageddon in the biblical sense or the Michael Bay movie? What's worse? Michael Bay movie. (laughs) I like that movie. I don't know why. It's not good. I don't either. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's a mystery to all of us, I guess, huh? But that's kind of the <laughs> but that's kind of the game, more or less. You do have personal stats, which I find pretty funny. Like you have to select rest and stuff like that. Uh it's like Pokemon. Fucking Asahara's sad black and white portrait is always up in the upper right corner. Otherwise, when I was watching footage of this thing, like the entire game does have a very creepy feel to it. I mean not speak Japanese, but the images that they chose to use do still speak volumes. There are raw photos of the killers as well as their victims and targets, such as the police chief that was leading the investigation on them. Numerous shots of their chemical compound are there. Um, the hoarded vehicles within. Like, ac- like actual photos? Yeah. Oh, that is fucking creepy. The microwave-powered incinerator that was used to hide one of the bodies. I believe that was um, sadly the brother of that ex-member who fled. Oh, and for some reason, a single instance of softcore porn. There we go. Yeah. Sure. That's how you get the teenagers. Which, and, and uh, yeah. So there was, I couldn't find exactly who the, the model was, but I know it's a bit of total but whiplash. He, but, he tried, but he tried, everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he searched for hours and hours. No, I did not. Uh, are you still searching in the bathroom <laughs> by yourself? I need to know. I'm just doing research, <laughs> mom. <laughs> <laughs> why would why would my mom be in the same house that I used the bathroom? <laughs> Part of the joke, the yeah. teenage boy. Oh yeah, you're right. Joke. No, no, Randall. Please, please go on and try to explain why in the scenario where you're actually real life jerking off to a cult death victim. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mom yeah. came by to visit recently. He's not insulted that you said that he was jerking. <laughs> yeah. He was trying yeah. to jerk off to a cult game. Whoa, he's whoa, whoa I don't live with my mom. <laughs> yeah, he's insulted that you said he lived with his mom. <laughs> So if there is something more that you do want to make fun of, besides me, the campaign does host objectives based around Aum Shinrikyo's strange theatrical run for Japanese parliament, of which failed spectacularly. Yeah, I remember this part of the story. (laughs) 
All right. So before we get into the specifics of Village's production and release, let's first briefly discuss how we even know about it. As you may have already guessed, this game wasn't exactly shooting up the sales charts, especially for that system of the era. It was barely gaining even enough attention to be controversial. It just kind of dropped and then it was gone. Although, thanks to that wonderful, wonderful internet, no video game would ever truly be completely forgotten, right? So well, hold on. Did it cost money? I'll get there. Don't worry. Okay. So from what I could find, it seems the first real examples of uploaded gameplay appeared to have made its way online around mid-2011, first on a couple Eastern gaming forums and then shortly after on YouTube. Of course, it was broken up in out-of-context segments and in a much less than ideal quality, making the blurry text nearly impossible to translate for those unfamiliar with the language. It wouldn't be until about five years later in 2016 that enthusiasts would begin to take interest, whether it was keepers of computer game history with archivists or folks who like to take deep dives on all things true crime and horror. Everyone suddenly wanted a solid answer as to where this thing came from and what the true purpose was. Others, they were simply just looking to play it. All we had were videos, no files. The only name we had behind it was a company called Omsoft, Feels appropriate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Redditors, of course, were on the case. I'm soft just hearing about it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> With those at the center of the mystery, passionately attempting to locate translators or contact native residents and historians that may be able to provide more insight of the village's origins, this was all while less investigative users and content creators would pump new life into the game as a sort of passed around creepy pasta. There were like, you know, claims that would like fuck with your brain and stuff. Mm -hmm. All evidence of everything we were seeing did quickly point to the product as being shining proof of the cult's various recruitment methods, just like with their anime and mangas. It wasn't at all a far-fetched assumption, especially when you consider the crossover and demographic there. But was the story of Kamikashiki Village actual propaganda, or was it something else? It wasn't long after the footage made its way around further that the most dedicated researchers would begin to congregate in an underground discord dedicated to, quote, obscure internet ephemera. Which, uh, sidebar, weird Discord groups like this can be real fucking cool. And I think it may also be the first time that service was actually involved in one of our stories. Discord? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. We use Discord all the time. No, we, we, we totally do. But I, I did that FIFA episode about know, the secret sick. Discord. You're totally the right. Mi the microtransactions. Yes, yeah. Anyway, there weren't people on the hunt the hardest. Eventually, all this sleuthing and sharing would catch the eye of Matthew Gall, a writer for Vice who joined the Discord server in hopes of collecting materials in order to publish a piece on the subject. This then led him to contact a woman named Sarah Hightower, who was an independent specialist in the study of domestic terror movements. Pretty cool. Hightower also happened to have made quite the recognition for herself in all things Amshan Rikyo over the years. This would obviously make her the most respected person to inform us on just what the fuck Village was. And upon a private Twitter interview with Matt, the answer became quickly clear. The game wasn't propaganda after all. It was parody. That's right, I led you all on the path to a bit. What? <laughs> I was going to ask what proof anybody had that this wasn't just made by like some weird obsessed fan or something. But think about like like the in the release date of this like Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> it's going to get even weirder. That's twist number 1. <laughs> so that revelation might like make our episode today come off a little less scary sounding at first, 
but it's still disturbing enough when you do remember that this story does involve the lives and deaths of real people. I mean, it's just, it's the same. Well, I fucked think up. the proximity, the yeah. proximity into the actual shit happening is what makes it kind of scary. It's yeah, like, I was gonna say that's that's like very, if somebody yeah. very similar to the Columbine RPG. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Also, that far from excludes the the rest of our questions. Yeah. In some ways, it even raises more. <laughs> so she knew of the PC title, but not of the Discord server. If anything, she mostly seemed annoyed at the misconceptions or fun nightmare tales of it all getting so out of hand. Quote. Basically, everything you see on YouTube about how this game will brainwash you is bullshit. The game wasn't made by Om or Aleph, Aleph being the division of remaining members that splintered off post the attacks. She then provided three separate associates who research, collect, and most importantly, localize rare Japanese video games, as well as uh, other media as a hobby. According to them, Village was something known as a doujin game. Dojins basically being interactive visual novels, which I uh, I did kind of mention before. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was also homebrewed and was exclusively sold on floppy disk through an underground magazine that often featured advertisements to order off kilter software. Sound fucking familiar? <laughs> That's because I tricked you guys yeah. twice. It's a sequel episode. Kowloon of Hong Kong '97 fame strikes again. <laughs> The same guy? The game was another goddamn shitpost, which I promise you, I did not know his involvement at all until I was like days into working on this script. (laughs) But I seriously lost my shit at that. He's actually involved? Uh, Yes. Which will kind of, we will get into it. But I just had to hide those reveals. That's part of the reason I I wanted to keep it such a surprise. It's a good reveal. Yeah, Yeah, it is good. It is really good. And also it really worked out that you referenced that that episode already. Uh, a couple yeah, times that game. Uh, plug it. Plug point right here. Yeah, if you want to know more on that game, especially if you haven't, check out last Halloween. Yeah, where we did an episode on Hong Kong '97. It's a great episode. <laughs> and as you may recall from that that Halloween ep we did on uh, Yoshihisa Kurosawa last year, he wasn't exactly known for producing multiple games. So the connection isn't as direct with him as you might presume, considering the you know the nature of this thing. Right. So allow me to break it down just a bit more here. Okay. Now, part of the reason the mistruths surrounding Village were able to go on as long as they did wasn't just the non-English barrier that would have obviously helped in understanding the cultural context or satirical tone, but it was also due to the fact that the program itself could only be read and run from the physical discs. This meant that a ROM was never able to be dumped online like Hong Kong was. Of course, that also, like you mentioned, Austin, had an English and Chinese options as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the only way to play this was to genuinely own it. Luckily, one of the sources, Hightower... So that does make it a bit more spooky. Yeah. Or at least more... It is true. At least more ambiguous. Absolutely. But luckily for us, one of the sources Hightower referenced did. Sean, with two N's and no A, as his pseudonym was known as, managed to actually obtain a copy per an ad from issue four of Gamahora magazine. Gamahora being a printing known for its piracy, pornography, and shock images. This was also how they knew the exact launch date and how close it was in date to the Tokyo disaster, June 29th, 1995. The mail order for the 12 three-quarter inch floppies was said to cost 14,500 yen. However, I do question the validity of that considering it would equate to about $136 here. So I feel like 
That, that is a weird. Yeah, that might be a typo a or something. Different. Is that? Did you convert it yourself, or did they? Did I find I that? converted it myself. Did you convert it with nineteen ninety five money or? Uh, now? no, that's that's now. Okay, so that so would have been on. more. Yeah, if you want to do that. Yeah. Though also, you know, hey, with twelve fucking floppy disks in the package, you know, like who knows? Maybe it is right. Mm-hmm. But you know, I guess they had to fit all those looped videos and songs on there somehow. But it supposedly was also. What, you mean like you think they paid for the rights to the music? No, (laughs) no. I think they just needed all that space, I guess. I don't know. It supposedly was also set to be on sale at the Comiquette Fair in 95 until one of the folks on the team decided against it. Where the Kowloon Man comes into play, though, is much more interesting. Although I do, as Austin said, highly recommend checking out our Hong Kong 97 episode from last year for the full analysis on that. Plus, it will uh, recontextualize this entire stealth part two of a story to make it make a lot more sense. The short version, though, is that it was a intentionally, notoriously, tastelessly awful Super Nintendo homebrew game that too lampooned foreign politics, featured a dead body, and was created by this batshit insane lunatic as well as his programmer associate under an alias. But this was the same anonymous partner who would later go on to work for Konami down the road, which I'm not sure if you guys remember. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I guess he did still have one other stop before then, this project. That's the connection. Kowloon Kurosawa did not help make Village. He did, however, greatly assist in the advertising, handling the space rented out in smutty magazines to not only promote his buddy's title, but to also criticize and humiliate the Amshin Rikyo cult itself, which is great. Mm-hmm. Okay. It read, quote, fun work of art straight from the bowels of hell. It goes... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, okay. it, it then goes on to compare itself to the uh, Koai Sega Genesis game, Romance of Three Kingdoms 3, Dragon of Destiny, for some reason. I suppose it's maybe more. because it was a turn-based strategy and it also had a terrible title. $170.20 Holy shit. That makes more sense than a random, than a random 36. Yeah, it's our two, almost 200 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Most explicitly, though, in this ad space is the part <laughs> the part under that where it openly states, quote, we have absolutely no relation with Amshin Rikyo. We hate them, <laughs> end quote, which it certainly makes the prior line of, quote, sell off your own saliva, blood, cum and such to stupid believers. <laughs> More on brand. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the two people credited to have made the game are Takeshi Kanai and Koachi Kanasawa, the latter of which believe being the friend in question who um, went to work at Konami, which I can't remember if this was actually like the same name he used before. <laughs> Although uh, another thing I find funny is that Hong Kong 97 technically released for order in April of 1995. Village was released in June of 1995. There was literally less than three months of time set aside to produce both of these fucking pieces of trash. Well, yeah, I mean, it's also, that's probably the proximity to the actual attack. That's why there's stuff from it in there. That's true, mean? yeah, for sure. Though I guess this Forced in there. like this one is still much more realized in that it was a deeper game and at least had way more to say in the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, right. I also forgot the best part of this whole fucking thing since our one source, Sean, had acquired a copy and could read Japanese. It didn't take much digging to plainly see that the story of whatever village listed the developer in-game as HappySoft LTD. The same that sounds familiar. Yeah, the same cutely thought-up company name shown yeah. right on Hong Kong's main menu. Clear as day. 
a lot wow. of it. Uh, yeah. So all it took was one person being like, yeah, you can't, you, you just, you don't know a language that you don't know, you dumbass. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> a lot of hours could have uh, been saved if that discovery was spotted sooner, but hey, it's not like Reddit or those YouTubers had access to that kind of thing or could speak Japanese. But yeah. <laughs> so when Vice was able to reach out to Kowloon for comment through Facebook Messenger, as he likes to do, albeit not very often, he claimed the PC game was, quote, made by my two friends while we were in high school, which I assume would include Hong Kong as well, considering the time frame. The fact that these guys were also young definitely makes me rethink the way I pictured him previously last Halloween season. Yeah. Like, I really had no idea. Huh. Is- yeah, like, it's... He then continued on in an uncharacteristically poised manner to explain how Om's rapid growth and presence around them really shook them. He then stated that a different game about the cult was also led by himself, but I I couldn't find any recollection of it online. The polite back-and-forth exchange then closed with him giving nothing but praise to his former programmer buddies, although he did say that he unfortunately had not seen them or been in contact with them for over 20 years. He wasn't even sure if his, his... one friend was still at Konami, at least these days. He did give the name of the duo group they used to work under, though, in case any more weird stuff happens to present itself on our show. They could be the ones responsible. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Fans on a forum devoted to retro games from Japan called On Tokuawa Corp are said to have found the identities of the two men behind Village calling out names that were buried in the readme files of one of those other projects. This, of course, prompted Vice to reach out to them for quotes too but then there was no answer back so i thought i'd rather just let them keep their privacy than like try digging and reading Mm -hmm. them off but so lastly let's look again into the meaning of this a little bit what we apparently missed out on getting before now that we have clarity and uh, a proper translation something that initially read as being troubling and frankly pretty alarming is instead now shown as having quite the opposite of intentions or in intentions (laughs) It was never meant to be scary. It was meant to be silly. It was never meant to be a recruitment tool. It was meant to be a warning. Similar to what Quentin Tarantino did with the uh, the Manson family in the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, our directors here also wanted to pull the pants down and take power away from those seen as evil. You all made fun of me and said that that game was only scary because it was made by a cult. And look at me now. I yeah, was I'll right. Give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make a game about the U.S. government and pull their pants down. You think that'll go wrong? <laughs> so this is the thing. This is where you're going to hear a bit of like a... Like a uh, Look, there's enough Call of Duties out there. Please stop making them. <laughs> we don't need you. This is where you're, you're going you're gonna to hear some from real passion from me. This? I've said this before. You did a four-part Tetris episode, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say the first time. Oh, okay. So... I- I know I've talked to you about this in person before, uh-huh. Austin, but often some of the worst, most monstrous individuals throughout history everywhere are portrayed as cunning and brilliant, masters of their craft, when the reality really is that Hitler was kind of a huge fucking idiot. Like, Ted Bundy's pretty boy image was created by him in an effort to sway a jury. We need to stop platforming these people through fear and the way they wanted their legacies to be. What we should be doing is remembering the victims and reinforcing the idea that what they did to hurt people was cowardly, not ingenious. Shoko Asahara was no different, which is why it's okay to laugh at what the devs voluntarily chose to represent during the game's interjected cutscenes. It was no mistake to include a screen grab of the Poles 
post-election in order to mock Om's super low numbers. Or when they showed the player footage of a cult member hilariously attempting to levitate, just like as Asahara allegedly did. There was stock of an underwater breathing competition the group ran that somehow even outstupided that. Suddenly drawings of their fat, hairy messiah in a tub bottling up his bath water off of his fingers for his followers to drink, just as he did in real life, along with his blood, had a whole new feeling to it. You're telling me that Belle Delphine is a cult leader? <laughs> yes. I'll join her cult. Don't play this for my girlfriend. <laughs> Even the anime was lame, and the kids designing this thing knew it and wanted to tell everyone. This philosophy is a huge part of what makes Laz Podcast so great. That being said, yes. the overall presentation of Village, it is meant to be unsettling in some ways. Mm -hmm. The reason why so many communities thought it was propaganda is because it looked like propaganda. It's a good parody. Well, yeah, like the duo practically yeah, that's just good like parody. exactly yeah. like th these guys. They practically lucked out that every aspect about it felt so cheap. It's not like Om's actual published works were filled with the highest production values. You know, like no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah like, they weren't that good to begin with. <laughs> to the high schoolers, the project came off as just as absurd as theirs did. You know, mm -hmm. like whether or not the tonal shift to play solemn music over the gas attack photographs or murder coverage were as sensitively planned as the teasing could be seen as a separate discussion. But one thing that is known is that obtaining these videos were not as inside as what frightened viewers may have theorized. Right, like you didn't need to be in the cult to get those pictures and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Om Shinrikyo's doings post-Tokyo and even a little prior we're all any news outlet was talking about in Japan for a while. Mm -hmm. This meant there was no shortage of documentation to pull from publicly. That makes sense. Exactly, yeah. Like Hightower claimed there were literally thousands of hours of materials aired on TV alone to pick through. It was reasonably easy to collect what they wanted to use. Nothing nefarious. Video of cult spokesperson Fumihiro Joyu nervously dodging questions from reporters following the attacks would be the kind of interaction to be turned into a meme today. In the same way we fucking mock our horrible president. Like, even if at the time it was still likely seen as scary to many, you know? Like, it's... Mm -hmm. We use, like... Uh, sorry, I, I don't know if I can, like, put this into words, but I think you know what I'm trying to say mm -hmm. is, like, even when, like, real-world atrocities happen, there is a sense of, like... Absurdity? Absurdity to, like, how we make us and feel better humor. about... Because yeah. we can't... Because we can't Trump comprehend humor. it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, it's... It's too difficult to try and really absorb and deconstruct. Right. Like, Well, yeah, I was going to say this is funny enough that this is – you made the point about putting these people on a pedestal. Man yeah. Manson is such a good example of that. Like, yes, And especially totally. from like last podcast, how they're like – by the end of it, you're like, oh, wait. This guy wasn't some masterful cult leader. He was just like an idiot who wanted to get laid and was literally just stupid in his way into this fucking – position you know? exactly and yes that's how a lot of it that's how a lot of it is so it's it's almost like it's funny that that mentality the whole reason this game actually ended up being so quote-unquote scary is because americans kind of projected their sense of putting these sorts of people on pedestals onto it it's, oh my god no because, that is a brilliant yeah because they didn't actually have the language 
ability to be able to just comprehend what it actually was like because they just, there was just there was a cultural disconnect there because they didn't understand the language you know no you are seriously right like and and, and I fell for it too you know it's like I think this topic has been on our list for a very long time because when I first heard about it like a year or two ago or I think it was a couple years ago it's probably around 2016 when it began to blow up to me it was like I thought this story was almost going to be hard to like craft into a a script for our show. I thought it was a little too fucking yeah, dark. And, yeah, and like bunch of fucking high school memers from 1995, <laughs> dude. <laughs> memers strike again, man. Yeah. God, God damn it, <laughs> memers. <laughs> One point I do want to make before we close today is that as wacky as movements like this can seem to us, it is important to not forget who it might affect. As I stated in the intro, the fallout for Amshin Rikyo is still an issue in Japan today, and it's not even only just what it currently exists of them. Groups like this continue to operate, frequently preying on overworked college students to the degree that lectures need to be called and signs and pamphlets have to be put up in hopes of educating those in dire search of escape and purpose purpose not to be susceptible. The promise of unconditional love, respect, and future could suddenly appear very sincere to someone after what feels like endless fatigue or disenfranchisement. And those emotions can absolutely be universal. It's not like it takes a country line or ocean for citizens elsewhere to instantly understand the struggle of wanting to be significant and wanting to be needed. Community is important, and so is individuality. Otherwise, we're going to end up with more shit like fucking Jarrett Leto's 30 Seconds to Mars Island cult that I'm sure one day will lead to at least one death. As for well, the- Jared Leto has a cult? Yeah. You didn't know about that? No, that's, I didn't. That's, that's why he didn't know about COVID. All right. I would like to... Announce my resignation. <laughs> You're joining the from Hot time. Button. Effective immediately, I will be joining Jared Leto's Island Cult. Hey, man, if he didn't know about uh, COVID, that means it didn't happen there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so maybe he was right. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Man's, man's making points over here. <laughs> As for the game, the story of Kamakashiki Village is a lot of things. It's an arguably creepy, but it's not the manipulative works of a murderous organization as a crafted method to brainwash people into becoming new followers. No, that's U.S. Army or America's Army. <laughs> yeah, America's Army on Xbox. That's, that's what that is. <laughs> it, no, but this is a dark, interactive shitpost from a couple of bored kids who wanted to fight back in the most amusing way they knew how through a video game. And you know what? I applaud that creativity and level of teardown. Me too. Who cares if the gameplay yeah. itself was any good? It's still the bravest simulator ever to exist. Especially since the call was fucking hurting people then, you know? Yeah. Not that, like, not that I think they might have been past the danger at that point by the time it was released, but... I mean, I, eh, do, still. I do genuinely wonder... Like, I have... The one thing I could not find, unlike Hong Kong's story, is, like... In that episode, I, I don't know how many copies of this existed, and I don't know how many people ordered oh, it. It can't be many. It can't be many. And I do wonder if, like, the only people that, like, committed to actually buying this and playing it were just people that also were in on the joke, or if it actually worked, you know, on someone. Like, if it actually, like, yeah. changed someone's mind, not in that, like, by, you know, post the Tokyo attacks, like, anyone was like, I need to run out and join this, but more just shedding light on 
kind of the yeah. like this is this is also absurdity goes, of absurdity it. of it because think about like the bathtub stuff and the levitation stuff like this was two months after suddenly everyone was completely aware like what this organization was this goes but, in like, line with with what i was saying earlier it's just like it, it's incredible to you me would almost that, think it was fake like that video game shit posting isn't a thing. Games are too hard to make, I guess. But like, yeah. if these guys had done this now, mm -hmm. this thing would have spread like fucking wildfire You're through social media. You, yeah. No, I had that thought too when mm -hmm. I was doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Like... You're seriously right. Mm -hmm. I, I like, and I think you're correct in that. Like, uh, it's that's too dedicated. Of yeah, that's a lot of work. You'd sooner make a YouTube analysis or or something. You'd uh, also like, probably get in a lot of trouble. Probably. I mean, nowadays. there's no shortage of, of of folks out there, especially like on social media platforms, like openly criticizing people in positions of power. But what? I've never seen that. <laughs> hey, we do it all the time. I don't openly criticize them on Twitter. No, I, I meant on here. Mandos. <laughs> they don't need to know that <laughs> like you said though austin like it's kind of a shame that instances of things like this aren't more common because like now it probably you wouldn't have to have a weird order through a underground magazine you know it's be a lot like cooler if you did that's true i am kind of about that <laughs> But you could sure. you could reach so many. But you think about like like when COVID started and that that game, what the fuck's it called? I always forget the name. The infection game where you play the disease and have to spread. Oh, uh, play game. Play game. Yeah. Play game. Yeah. That game started selling like wildfire, and they had to like put a statement in the game that's like, "This isn't an actual simulation. Please listen to doctors or yes. something." Yes. And I, and didn't they also go back and patch that game to add a different mode where you're trying to stop the virus? I don't know. Yeah, I think I, they yeah, did. They did. Yeah. yeah, but like, I guess back in March, it wasn't the time to make those kind of commentaries. But now you could make, somebody yeah. can make a shit post about what's going on. I mean, that's the thing. It's like Plague Inc. existed long before mm -hmm. our, our current epidemic. But yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see if somebody in response to a movement, like, but to do it in a very coy, like an accessible way, because there are a lot of people who like are completely opposed to any sort of, message or politics in any of the culture they like to engage with and the funny thing about this that i find like none of this is heavy-handed like of what i've solved this game like it's it's not are you trying to say that it's not like it's not real like in-depth criticism so i think that's the thing that with with hmm. parody and stuff that a lot of people fall into where they're just like i have to execute this perfectly or they're just like they're just really bad at it. Yeah, yeah. And nobody just shit posts like this where they're just like, I don't fucking care, dude. That's the whole thing's stupid. Stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody's sure. now is is all about constructing arguments that can't be picked apart when, you know, that's like the best. You can't I saw, do that. I saw why well, that's just you're asking to be defeated. I was gonna say I saw a post that was like the best thing to do to argue. With like somebody who's making like a political argument that you disagree with is to just laugh at them hmm. <laughs> because they don't right know yeah. how to respond to that at yeah, all. Nobody like, knows how to respond to that. Yeah. They just yell more, which is a very, a very popular tactic online for certain groups of people who I will not name. Mm. But lol sick. That's from uh, the Watchdogs, dude. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> Uh, oh, wait, no, know. Lulsec was real. Dead yeah, no, Lulsec was, was real. Dead sec is the... God damn it, I did that episode, too. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm sorry. I uh, I apologize for... Uh, Jason, edit everything in the last, like, five minutes to make me sound really smart. 
Just all, all this all the space in between where I'm not. Jason is a really good producer. Way. He is not a wizard. <laughs> Damn. Hey, got him. Fucking got him. <laughs> this is what I get for doing the last two episodes like sober. You're drinking white claw. I thought you were gonna dude. say stoned. I just drank no, I just drank one white claw. This is nothing. This is just he, spark- yeah, he drank a case this of white claw. Sparkling He's water. <laughs> yeah. I had nothing last week because of the tattoo, but Oh look, all I'm gonna say. No, this is too mean to be on publicly on the podcast. No, get on it. He can edit it out. Okay. I was just going to say, I'm never I'm never drunk, and I always sound like a genius <laughs> when I hug. Why are you laughing? I don't understand why either of you were laughing. No, that's staying in. <laughs> no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I've never once said anything stupid on air. I don't understand why you're laughing at me. Do you, you think you can handle plugs? What? Yeah, try not to sound stupid. <laughs> Hey, are we done? Also, before you do that, I, I do want a uh, special thanks again to Matthew Galt, Sarah Hightower, and Kowloon himself for responding so quickly to questions this time on uh, assisting me in uh, all of my research. Yeah, Kowloon. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Halloween Ooh. Week. That wasn't as... Yeah. <laughs> and we got... <laughs> <laughs> We got more stories that came from, especially uh, things from last year that you can go check out. Yes. Yeah. Specifically, Uh, (laughs) there are four Halloween episodes last year, but specifically, I did not know to plug this at the beginning because Mr. Host over here had to keep everything secret. I did. Um, It was worth it. Go listen to our episode on Hong Kong 97. It's a great episode. Yeah. Uh, That is from October of 2019. That song will get stuck in your head. You know, back before. Oh, the good times. Back in the, yeah. Oh, BC. The before times. The before times, yeah. Before, before COVID. COVID. Mm-hmm. That was a good joke, dude. I, I took it from Red Letter, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you can find that and more on our website, hotbuttoncast.com. There's a search function. Just type Hong Kong 97 in there. You'll probably find it. I don't know. You yeah. can also find all I our other it. Halloween episodes and many more. I talked about uh, making Halloween. a 9-11 joke <laughs> in the Xbox episode. You can go listen to that. It's a very bad 9-11 joke, I think. That was also like... Don't worry, the whole the rest of the episode balances That, that was out. from like 2018, so I don't remember anymore. It was just 9-11 a couple days ago. Indeed it was. Yeah. Never forget. Um, you can That's also right. find us on our socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Hot Button Cast. And you can subscribe on all the podcast services. I'm not going to list them anymore because they, they keep adding to them. Just type hot button into your favorite multimedia conglomerate search function, and I'm sure it'll pop up somehow. <laughs> um, Just type type a hot button into Ask Jeeves, and you'll find exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh-oh, Chris is cutting out. I think it's time to end the episode. <laughs> Just go to Lyco Search and for type Discord hot fails. button podcast, and you'll find us. Yeah, that's it. Oh, like and some... No, it's YouTube. <laughs> Fuck. We are on YouTube. Every um, time. Rate and review... On iTunes, like and subscribe on YouTube. And most importantly, tell your friends. Be that friend. Everybody, here's a lesson. When you find something that you like, you shove it in people's faces until they (laughs) either listen to it or hate it. And if they get to the point where they hate you for doing it, then you just you trick them. (laughs) So what you do is you you go, hey guys, the new Black Widow's coming out on streaming. Uh, and they go, oh, what? No way. I love the Marvel movies. And then you tie them all to chairs in your house and you put on this episode of Hot Button and you don't let them leave. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Chris left now. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, that'll be a good way for us to grow. That's <laughs> <laughs> all staying in. You <laughs> gave away our plan. All right, and I think that's it for the plugs. Yeah. Yeah, keep an eye out on... Uh, for more spooky trying shit. To be, trying to be more active on, on our socials, too. Yeah. You hit us up on our socials if you want. You want to talk to us. You can... Sub- if you have a topic that you would like to see us cover, I always forget to say this. There is a scary sub- or otherwise. There is a submit a topic function on our website as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin really wants to like do that Fortnite episode, but we need at least yeah. Look forward to Fortnite v Apple uh, <laughs> coming twenty twenty two. Oh yeah, no, that is. Uh, mm-hmm. You'd think we wrote that. Like the universe works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Sometimes you make a podcast about video, stupid video game controversies. Yeah, and then they just and then the universe just dumps them on you all at once. Life imitates art. I've always said so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. That's <laughs> it. Uh, enjoy your quarantine Halloween. Yeah. That was a good ride. <laughs> that is, yeah. All right. We're gonna end on that. <laughs> <laughs>